This is the Unstacked Startups Podcast, where we have real conversations with tech founders, leaders, VCs, and early employees of top technology companies. This is Elon Sachs. Hey guys, super excited to have Laura Hilton on the Unstacked Startups Podcast today. Laura is a good friend of mine. She's an absolute force to be reckoned with. She's a competitive spirit. She is someone who I've known for over a decade. We started working together when she joined AppDirect. And at the time, AppDirect was a team of 70 individuals. She grew into the head of recruiting and helped scale the organization to 700. She then joined Stripe as a founding member of Stripe's executive search team. She helped scale the Stripe organization from 700 to 7,000 strong over her tenure there. Today, she's at Bain Capital Ventures as the head of executive search and talent. She is a coach and advisor to the founders and CEOs of their portfolio companies. She's a walking encyclopedia as it pertains to everything tech talent, recruiting, executive search. And she is um, someone who I feel very honored and privileged to have on the podcast. So I'm really looking forward to this discussion and getting the insights from her over to all of you. So let's jump in. Laura, I've known you for quite some time now. Um, it's probably been uh, close to a decade, I think, yeah, at this point. Yeah, I was thinking a decade as well. Probably around a decade. And um, I've had the pleasure of working with you and, um, and learning from you. And you started your career in recruiting at... AppDirect, okay? Mm -hmm. And you were largely responsible, I'm sure there's a, a great team there and everything else, but you helped scale that team from 70 to 700. Mm -hmm. That's pretty significant. You've kind of, you know, seen quite a bit, I, I can imagine. Can you tell mm -hmm. me a little bit about that? First and foremost, I just got really lucky at the time that I joined the company. Um, I fell into recruiting like many people, um, came out to San Francisco from Boston with a bunch of different meetings um, and met then the head of talent, Anthony Klein. Um, and I just figured I'd be an SDR, which was trying to go be entry level sales somewhere for some emerging tech company. Um, and when I met Anthony, um, quickly turned into a recruiting conversation. Um, they were hiring their first tech recruiter. I knew nothing about tech. I didn't know the difference between Java and JavaScript, um, but I quickly learned. Um, and it was just, it was an awesome ride. I mean, starting at 70 people, you really got to see how things are done. You get to work across all the different business units and actually understand what makes the business run. Um, and it was, it was incredible. I think one of my first um, assignments was building, you know, the engineering office in Montreal with Vue. Um, you know, I got that office when it was about 10 people and we grew it to a hundred in a year, just full of engineering um, leaders and engineering ICs. Um, and it was just awesome. I mean, it was, it was, when you think back to it, I mean, it was lucky. It was a grow at all costs, um, explosive growth time in tech in San Francisco in the middle of a bull market. Um, and I think about people that have to start their careers now. And I just feel like that was just like a really lucky time to start and to cut your teeth and learn. As much as it was so explosive, right, in terms of the growth, and part of that is due to the macroeconomic period at the time, right? But, you know, getting those hires right 
so that they attract incredible people around them was so crucial. You know what I mean? With a really high bar. And, um, and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about, you know, more about this because I know, you know, at Stripe and, um, you know, you, you were involved in many different areas and building different teams from scratch, et cetera, et cetera. So how important it is to get it right in the early goings is so important and often sets the stage for everything that's to come. But another thing I think that's so unique about that time is you kind of had to fail and fail fast and learn from your mistakes and make sure you were repeating the mistake. Um, and we were luckily in a fortunate company and position to be able to do that. Yeah. And I think that in part comes from Nick and Dan, the co-founders, yeah. who, you know, who, who were the co, you know, co-CEOs. If you, if you think about both of them right now, Mm-hmm. Um, and we both worked closely with them. Um, is there a superpower that they each have that comes to mind? Are they, yeah, that, that enabled or helped in, or, or didn't help as it pertains to recruiting and attracting talent? Yeah. I mean, I think back to even my interviews with them. I mean, I joined so early that they were interviewing pretty much everyone still that joined. Um, And the excitement and energy that they both had for what they were doing and building was so contagious that, and I I find this a lot with even my work now with BCD and spending time with tons of different founders. Um, You can't replace that. You can't replace that energy and that enthusiasm and how much it trickles down to the rest of the organization. Um, You know, it's a huge theme in all of the career moves that I've made is finding founders and CEOs that are just incredibly passionate about the company, but also passionate about talent and how big of a role talent plays in the rest of the company's organization. Um, And Nick and Dan are no different. I mean, we had the amount of conversations we had about how we keep the bar high and why it's so important and and why this matters down to, it doesn't matter if you're hiring, you know, the VP of engineering or someone um, to run the front desk. Uh, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, everyone is a piece of that culture um, and they understood that and they cared. And I think one of the things that enabled us to be so successful is that they were like tr- trusted in the talent team and trusted the work that we were doing, um, which enabled us to move much faster in a time that moving fast was, was quite important. Um, so yeah, their superpower is just like the sheer level of excitement and being able to share our vision um, when it, it's hard. I mean, emailing a candidate from a company that, you know, not everyone has heard of versus emailing a candidate from Stripe, you're going to get a different response rate. Um, but getting those people in the door is most important. And, and then as soon as you introduce them to Nick and Dan, it's like, you know, of course they're going to talk to us. When the team was 100 at AppDirect or even 600 or 650 or 700, I think one thing that stood out to me about both of them and really to tell you the truth, anybody on the leadership team as it pertained to recruiting, if at any point it ever made sense to get them on a call, it was like drop everything and get on a call with a great candidate, no matter where they were, they were getting on a plane, they were in a town, it didn't matter. You know, it was always so important. At least I found, um, you know, to, treat candidates like they are, um, first and foremost, obviously humans, 
um, and create an amazing candidate experience. And, you know, maybe the analogy as it pertains to sales is like, it's enterprise sales. Like it's all hands down, roll, roll out the red carpet. You know what I mean? I think one of the biggest takeaways from that point is you want the candidate to want to, to want to be part of what you're building, regardless of if they are a right fit for the role, I think. Um, and I think the small things and doing the small things well goes such a long ways. I think what a lot of um, talent teams and coordinators um, can either get wrong or incredibly right is, is actually like caring about the human element and understanding who's coming in to interview. And I think Nikon Dan did a great job of that too. So Laura, from all of your time at AppDirect and seeing the scale that you did, what would you say, I'm going to put you on the spot here, if that's all right. Um, mm -hmm. What is your key learning from your time at AppDirect? Yeah, it's um, a good question. I think when I think back to all the time that I spent there, um, and I always tie back the work that I did to the company's core values. Uh, and I think that's a, a big reason people join companies is they believe in the mission and they want to be part of something and they're, you know, get, they, they understand and abide by the core values. And um, one of those was answer first. Um, and I love this. I brought this into um, every career move and journey that I've had. I mean, I think it's even part of my like home life as well um, is, is answer first. And I think there's a part of that, that the message is, Hey, be curious, ask good questions. Um, but make sure when you're asking good questions, you have thought through what an answer could look like. It, you might not have all the details. You might not have all the answers. It might not even be right. But I think what they were encouraging you to do is, is come with your thoughts, come with your curiosity and come with an answer that you think might be a viable way to start a conversation or to solve a problem. Laura, um, after AppDirect and all the great work that you did there, you joined Stripe at a time when the company was around 700 in terms of headcount. And over the ensuing handful of years, you saw Stripe scale from 700 to 7,000. Is, is that around that number? Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, and, and for a bulk of that time, you were the founder or a founding member of their executive leadership team, which which Stripe is very much renowned for um, hiring incredible talent mm -hmm. um, in tech circles and not in you know in non tech circles. Mm -hmm. What what can you say about that experience? What you know what was that like? Yeah, I mean, I'd like to say that it was you know after it was a time where I like got to do it all and do it really quickly. Um, and I wanted to join a company that was best in class, that did everything really well. So they took, I took everything I learned and like brought it to the next level and saw how, what's the best way to interview a candidate? What's the best way to calibrate, score candidates, understand how like an interview framework works, rubrics work. Uh, there was just so, the emphasis on how meticulous Stripe was about the foundations of our craft, regardless of engineering, product, recruiting, it didn't matter. Um, there was just so much emphasis on that. 
um, and that translated into everything that we did. Um, so you just wanted to be along for the ride. You didn't care what you did there. You just wanted to be part of the company and part of the growth journey. Um, <clears throat> and I think it's where I really found out what what best looks like and, and how to do things well. Um, that's not to say we didn't make a million mistakes along the way. We did, um, as most companies growing that quickly do. Um, but it was just a crash course, daily humbling experience of how things are done well, how the fundamentals are done well. At the beginning of a search, you know, you're going out, you're looking to hire a, you know, head of revenue or a CRO or, a, you know, whatever the role is, how mm -hmm. important it was even before you actually, actually went out to find candidates and interview candidates. Mm -hmm. Get a high level. Can you tell me a little bit about that, you know, being prepared before the search actually starts? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think I had never seen anything like this um, before joining, but the amount of upfront work and calibration, not only with what are you going to market for and what are you saying about what are you going to market for, um, as well as is the team calibrated? Does everyone know what their interviewing focus area is? Uh, is everyone on the same page? Like, why is this role even open or why do we why do we need this? What gap are we filling? How does this position fit into the org? Um, all of that was so incredibly important to know and get right up front. So you're not going to market with a different narrative and sharing things with candidates that might not be what they experience when they come back. Um, so the level of emphasis on being buttoned up before you even really kick off uh, was 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 top priority. It's It's interesting. I mean, if you, yeah, I mean, if you think about it, what you do before the search even starts sets the tone for the entire search. It sets, it almost, not entirely, but it predetermines candidate experience. It predetermines outcomes. It, it predetermines efficiency and speed and quality and everything else. So um, certainly so important. Laura, Stripe is renowned for its, you know, hiring bar, which is very high. Mm -hmm especially for executive roles, what did you learn as you spent the bulk of your time working executive search at Stripe? One of the takeaways I had in my time at Stripe, and I think one of the things that make us and make that team, I'm, oh, I'm going to say us forever, um, make that team so successful is you just want to know who the best people are. I think regardless of like timing and role, yes, we had a certain amount of roles that we needed to work on at a given time. Um, and maybe this is because I fell, fell into product and engineering and some of those roles looked similarly. We didn't care if anyone had payments experience, for example, for most roles or, or what they did. We just wanted them to solve really hard and tough challenges and want to come do that again. Um, and so I think a lot of my time was just spent getting to know the best people out there, regardless of even if we had a role, um, and which I think is unique because you know, there were a handful of times where I would spend time with people, we would obviously have nothing for them at the time, and we would hire them a year later, and we would just keep in touch with them and foster those relationships, uh, which I think is such a big part of exec recruiting and building relationships over time that, you know, might serve you six months to a year down the road. So you get called into an impromptu meeting with one of the leaders, you know, whether it's, you know, um, Patrick or John, you, you walk mm -hmm. in there, this is like mission critical, we need to hire yep. a, this or, or that. What, what goes on in that room? 
Yeah, um, there was a there's a distinct memory I have. Um, we were we were in the, the payments org, and I was brought into a room with Patrick um, and David Singleton, our CPO, and they were whiteboarding feverishly about some missing hole within the payments org and how it was going to fit into this and this. And honestly, speaking a language I did not comprehend or understand, but just being able to be a, be in that room and be a part of that conversation. Um, was was super transformational for my experience at Stripe. And obviously I left that room thinking like after taking my feverish notes and making, you know, sense of them all and going back and talking to my team about what I heard and what do we think and you know, is this is this the type of profile that we think we want to look at? Um just so energized to go and find that person for Stripe, which we did end up finding and the person's still there. And I think one of the proudest, I think achievements that I had while I was there for the company and for um as it relates to being a member of the exec recruiting team. Uh, but just you can't you can't walk away from a conversation like that in a room and being in a room with those two people and not be excited about the company and the work that you do and having it really matter at the end of the day to the bottom line of the company. I mean Patrick's a pretty inspiring guy. Um, mm-hmm. for those who um, you know have followed Stripe's progress or you know Patrick and building the company. Is there any anywhere you'd recommend anything you'd recommend they listen to? I know he does he does podcasts, does interviews all yeah. the time. Anything you'd recommend? Yeah, it's old now. I think it's from 2018. But um, one of the first things I listened to after joining in 2017 was um his interview with Tim Ferriss. Um, I'm just a big Tim Ferriss fan in general. Um, but I loved that interview. Um, he's a great interviewer, but it goes back into um, him and John growing up and, and some of the things that factored into who they are um, and, you know, why they started Stripe, the, how they got it, how it got its name. Um, it's fascinating, a really fascinating listen. And in addition, um, Claire Hughes Johnson, who was Stripe's COO um, when I was there, who's still a really active part of the company, wrote a book called Scaling People. Um, it's on my desk right now. Um, I refer to that book all the time. Um, and I think it's it's definitely one to read for any talent leader, any CEO, really anyone. <laughs> uh, and I recommend it to our the CEOs in the portfolio all the time. And I just think um, those are two of the best resources I think out there. Laura, you've worked closely with Dan and Nick, with Patrick, you know, John, Dave, inspirational tech leaders who've built remarkable companies. And they've entrusted you to build their most important teams to make their most important hires that in many ways often may have been make or break for these organizations. You know, I know you on a personal level. I know that you growing up were um, quite the field hockey player. Uh, You were the captain of your, of your college Um, sports being a leader in sports, did that have an impact? What was it about your upbringing that you think, you know, may have helped put you in the position um, to spearhead important recruiting objectives for these organizations? I think back to themes of my, of growing up and sort of what led me to these moments and to be in these rooms. And I think a lot of that is, I had to work really hard. Um, I've always had to work really hard. You know, I've never been the smartest person in the room. Um, I'm the person that had to do their homework, study harder for a test. And I think a lot of that ultimately, although, you know, didn't always feel great, um, has paid off. I think 
I would consider myself a better leader than a manager. Um, and I think you can be great at both. Sometimes people are great leaders and aren't great managers um, and recognizing that and being self-aware is, is really important. Um, so a lot of that has been trying to lead by example. Um, I think I prefer to let my work speak for itself versus promote it. Um, and I think a lot of that is done by leading. I think if you can show part of the organization, you know, how you're working on something and collaborating and doing something really well, then others then might follow. Um, so I think that's a big piece of it, but I think the hard work, um, you know, it's something I think about with my own kids every day and, and letting them struggle a little bit and not always knowing the answer and being okay with the gray area. Um, but a lot of it was work, um, and continuing to push and continue to be asked questions and be curious. Laura, you, and, and I know you, you're, you're, you're a down to earth, um, you're a humble individual. You're not out to, you know, flaunt success, although you have been very successful and have been a part of very successful organizations and everything else. And you're not overly active on social media. And uh, recently I was scrolling on LinkedIn and I saw Laura, Laura Hilton. I'm like, what is she posting about it? She's never posting. And um, uh, for those who didn't see this post, it was essentially a handful of key learnings from her time at Stripe, scaling that organization from 700 to 7,000. Can you, and you got like the craziest reaction, like thousands of likes, everything else. And there was particularly some pushback on one of your key learnings, mm -hmm. which was around, you know, back channel references. Yeah. And, um, and there was, there was a lot, there was a lot of pushback. Mm -hmm. Um, some, you know, were okay with it. Some were totally not. Many, yeah, many were, were not okay with it. And, and they, you know, you know, have some, some valid points where they would talk about, you know, back channeling and does it, um, does it introduce bias in the recruiting process or are there confidentiality, you know, concerns or, you know, some of the feedback you might get from back channeling may be hearsay rather than substantive feedback. I I'm just kind of quoting yeah. some of the things that, that was on the post. Do you want to explain what you meant or how would you respond to that? Yeah, I mean, I definitely, I, I started um, responding. There was a lot to keep up with, to be honest. Um, and I'm happy to dive deeper into it. I think um, at the end of the day, this is bespoke. Hiring at the exec level is bespoke. Hiring's hard. Hiring great execs is even harder. Um, I think if you think about what goes into hiring an executive it's not you're just getting a back channel or you're just getting a reference this is like the compilation of a bunch of different steps likely weeks and weeks maybe months um and so my point was in addition to interviews and addition to references which i would argue are much more biased because the person interviewing is the person giving the reference quite likely that person is going to say positive things about this person. I think what you get from a back channel 
is just a very small piece of the picture that a candidate has and, and can tell you about how they might be successful in this next role. And I think what we tried to focus and key in on in every back channel that I've been a part of is, you know, we want to set this person up for success. So tell us where their blind spots are. I mean, everyone has them. Not everyone is going to have a positive review from everyone they've worked with, but likely in addition to all the positive stuff, let's know maybe where they spike a little less. I mean, maybe there's an exec that needs to be fully execution oriented and they maybe, maybe the vision isn't as important in this role. And maybe that's what comes up in the back channel. It's like, they're a little weaker on the vision, the strategic um, orientation of like where we need to be, but execution, they're there, they do it. This is their bread and butter. Um, it's okay. It's okay that they might not have that. Um, and it's hard to tell that from a reference, right? Because you're going to get just the positive picture. So all I, I, I think there was so much taken sort of out of context, which to be fair, it, it's hard to give the context given how bespoke <clears throat> exec recruiting can be and exec hiring can be. Um, but I think the point of the feedback is like how someone has performed in a previous job is a pretty good indicator on how they will perform in a next job and understanding not just the person's positive attributes, but the person's areas that they might be, they might spike less on, or they might need a little coaching on. Like the more you know, the more you're able to set that person up for success. So Laura, um, do you feel like the pushback that you got was valid? Was it reasonable? Do you understand mm -hmm. or, or could you empathize with some of the points that they were making? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I mean, you can only say so much in a LinkedIn post, right? I could probably write, you know, a whole post of its own or a blog or something on why I think this is important and all of the drawbacks and why you can only do it in certain contexts. You like, I think I did respond saying you can absolutely not back channel where someone is currently working. Like you would never do something to jeopardize a candidate. And I think that was brought up as well um, as one of the pieces of pushback. And it's just, it's all context, right? And I think at the end of the day, I think about it the same way I think about investing. Like you wouldn't do, you wouldn't invest in a company without doing diligence because that's a big, that's a big bet. Hiring, hiring the wrong executive to an exec team is, is really detrimental to, it can be really detrimental to the company. I've seen it. It's, you know, we haven't always gotten it right. Um, but I think the more diligence you can do, the better informed you'll be about that candidate. I think that, that felt cut and dry to me. Um, but I completely agree. I think a lot of those points made were valid. I think it's just, it was context. I don't think, you know, it was, I didn't give every piece of context needed to someone that maybe has never done exec recruiting before, or, or, you know, someone that isn't as familiar with the subject matter. You've seen scale from 70 to 7,000. And now you're at Bain Capital Ventures, you know, a, a very reputable firm. How has your past experiences helped you in your role today? What are you doing at Bain Capital? Would, would love to hear more. Yeah, I think, um, you know, when I, when I first met uh, Leslie, the talent partner at BCD, uh, I was just so intrigued by what she was building and doing. So this, you, this opportunity felt super unique, but in no, you know, in no way was I planning to leave Stripe. I loved what I was doing. I was feel like we were just getting going. We were, we'd still had tons of work to do. Our journey wasn't done. Um, 
But what really drew me to BCD was I get to do this for a bunch of different CEOs, a bunch of different founders and help companies that don't have a 70% leadership recruiting team in-house. Um, and I think that's the part that continues, continues to give me energy is spending time with our founders, thinking through bits and pieces of that journey, whether it was 70 to 200 or 500 to 2000 uh, and drawing on all of those previous experiences, the good, the bad, the we did well, we did less well um, times and being able to share this experience with founders um, is a part that energizes me every day and feels like we really have something to value from a platform perspective to our companies that we onboard at BCD. No company is the same, no CEO, no founder is the same. But if you, if, if you had to, if there was one constant theme or piece of advice that you find yourself giving to the leaders of these different technology companies that you help, what might that be? Yeah, it's, it's such a good question. And because my focus is in talent specifically, leadership, exec talent, um, so partnering with these founders, thinking through, maybe it's their first head of engineering, maybe it's their um, first CRO, they're up-leveling from you know their VP of sales for someone to run every part of go-to-market. Um, what we touched on earlier with that time at Stripe is really like understanding who you are, the role that you're hiring for, and then going to market with that message, being as buttoned up as possible and knowing as much as you can and having the org come along on that journey is just so incredibly important to your reputation in market. Uh, it's a small, the tech is a small world and likely, you know, people that you speak to are going to talk to other people. And so as much as you can be buttoned up um, before you go to market, before you're um, reaching out to candidates to make sure they have the best experience possible, um, that's a lot of what I help with. Um, and just making sure, you know, they're feeling really good about their narrative, their story and how they're going to sell it uh, before they go and sell it. I find sometimes there isn't enough emphasis at the beginning of a process before the search even starts, mapping everything out, making sure everybody's aligned. And I think it's such, it's such great um, advice for anyone in tech going out and hiring an important role, um, even not in tech, you know what I mean? So. I think that's great. Laura, is there any, any parting words that you have for the audience? Anything that, uh, anything you feel you want to touch on one last time? Um, no, you know, I think there's something to be learned at every stage in the journey. And I think one of my key themes is curiosity and asking great questions. I think asking great questions is uh, something that can be developed over time. And I would say, I wish I asked better questions. I wish I was more curious early on in my career and definitely took longer to get here. So if I could leave that with anyone, it's just be curious, ask more questions, dig into things. Um, don't just accept an answer because someone says it's, you know, the truth. Thank you for listening to the Unstacked Startups Podcast. If you enjoyed this, you might enjoy our free monthly newsletter by Unstacked Startups called FounderMail. Sign up for free at foundermail.substack.com. This is Elon Sachs.